0: What's up, everybody? This is Alec Coughlin, host of the Growth Mindset, powered by Ludlow. This podcast is focused on the people that are inspiring us all to get better every day. These are the folks with the Growth Mindset. Understand how they live, how they think, how they operate. Ball players, entrepreneurs, artists, musicians, entrepreneurs all those super interesting people that inspire us all. So keep in mind, every day you got two choices. You can either get worse or get better. This podcast is 110% dedicated to helping us all get better every day. So here we go. All right, we're back. Episode number five. We've got Clement Cow. Um, we've got a couple of, of funny, uh, details to talk about on that front in regards to a hidden feature that of course he figured out on LinkedIn, which just literally just blew my mind. I'm so excited about such a detail, but it's important. But all that being said, we're talking to a guy that Literally, it gave me the chills when we had our pre-call, as I mentioned to you. And you you described yourself as a guy that you know more or less. I'm using Alec words, but you crushed it in academics, right? And your your GPA and studying molecular and cell biology at, you know, Berkeley, fantastic you know university. Says a Pac-12 guy. I went to USC, obviously not the Berkeley, but our football team's pretty good. Everybody knows about that. Shout out to to fight on, but. Um, you said something to me in our pre-call and I'm going to throw it to you to, to kind of, you know, give a little bit back on yourself, but you were like, look, I pretty much had the fixed mindset as a kid. And as I was growing up, I came across an article or some literature about the growth mindset and I flipped the switch and the results literally speak for themselves. And I think it's so cool that I get to interview you so that you can help, People in my network and the audience, et cetera, better understand, you know, a how you did that, you know, why you did that, and what you keep doing because your background and your, you know, um, you know, accomplishments are super, super impressive. So, without further delay, please give the audience the uh, quick and dirty background on you, and then we'll get into some some Q and A on that. But I'm really excited to have you.
1: Yeah, and again, thanks so much for having me. Um, Really excited to be a part of the show. Um, So yeah, so just a little bit about myself and then talking a little bit more about my kind of fixed mindset to growth mindset switch. Um, So currently, I am one of the co-founders of Product Manager HQ. Uh, It's a global community of, you know, software product managers, uh, where basically we just learn, you know, how do we do product management because it's such a new field. Um, So that's kind of the side job, Uh, kind of the full-time job is as a product manager at Blend, which is a series F fintech startup based in San Francisco. Uh, We're basically making consumer finance a lot easier by creating, you know, much easier to use software for both borrowers and lenders um, to get any kind of loan, whether it's a mortgage, a credit card, um, uh, an auto loan, et cetera. So that's been lots and lots of fun. Um, And the thing is, if I hadn't gotten a growth mindset, I wouldn't be doing the stuff that I'm doing today, right? Because as Alec mentioned, right, like, um, you know, back when I was a little kid, Um, you know, one of the things that, you know, kept coming up is like, oh, well, Clement's really good at math. He's really good at science. He's really bad at writing, right? And so, you know, this is the stuff that Clement knows how to do. Clement doesn't know how to do anything else, right? Like not very good at socializing, not very good at public speaking, right? So it's just like, I had, back back when I was like in, you know, elementary school through middle school, I had a lot of kind of these external facing stereotypes placed on me um, that I kind of internalized and said, okay, I'm just the kid who's really smart. And one of the things that like people don't realize is, you know, a lot of times people say, oh, well, if I had a really high IQ, right, like that's going to get me ahead in the world. And I'm just going to tell you right out the gate, that's not true. Um, EQ, you know, being able to resonate with other people is way more important. And I know because I actually have an IQ of 159. That's just one shy of Albert Einstein. And like, that, like, that actually limited me because I kept thinking, I'm only good at math, I'm only good at science. And so I just, I was thinking of going down like an academic route, right? Like I wouldn't have thought about doing all the stuff that I'm currently doing today if I had gone ahead with that fixed mindset. I think one of the things that was just really challenging is like the, the reason why I started moving from like a fixed mindset to a growth mindset was because you know, as, as someone who has a fixed mindset, right? You know, there is this fear Uh, you know, you're never going to be any better than you are right now. And so basically, you you lean into this perfectionism, right? You kind of say, I'm just going to be really good at the stuff that I do. And I'm not going to try anything else, right? And so, you know, I got really, really good at crushing all of my uh, classes, right? So I was always like, I was always the top student in all my classes, every exam, no one could beat me, right? But like, that was the only thing I was good at. And the thing is, every time I messed up, I would like, bang my head against the desk and say, like, I'm a worthless failure, which is not healthy for a growing kid. And so, you know, one of the things that I started noticing is while I'm good at math, I don't actually like math. And that's kind of scary, right? Like to not really like the thing that you're good at doing and to like stuff that I'm not good at doing. Like I really enjoy, you know, seeing how other people interact and kind of being a part of that, which is why I'm currently kind of down this business route of working with other people a lot. Um, But that's not something that I was born with. Like I was born an introvert. I was born, you know, not very good at chatting with other people. And it really took me a lot of time in terms of being able to convince myself that you know it's not the skills that I am born with like that doesn't determine my future it's how much resilience do I have how eager am I to kind of push myself to move into these new areas of growth. um, To be able to unlock the things that I really, really want to do right, and so I think one of the very interesting challenges that I ran into myself is moving from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset kind of requires you to have a growth mindset in the first place, right? Like where you have a fixed mindset, it's kind of hard to break out of that. And so I think um, I don't necessarily, I can't necessarily pinpoint a single resource that helped me, but I think there were definitely a couple. Um, I think um, Dale Carnegie's, um, how to stop worrying and start living, um, as well as Dale Carnegie's, um, you know, how, to, uh, how to win friends and You know, uh, influence others. Um, I don't remember the exact title of the book, but, but yeah. both those Dale Carnegie books, they were really eye-opening in terms of, you know, people can pivot later on in life and be completely successful at doing so and not have to be always worrying, not have to always be growing white hair. Like my hair right now is black. And when I was in middle school, I used to have like, you know, salt, like um, salt and pepper hair. Like I had a bunch of white hairs because I was always stressing out over grades. Right. And like, now I'm doing like all these things that I'm, you know, quote unquote bad at, right. My teachers kept telling me, Clement, you're Really really bad at writing we're always gonna give you like B's b minuses because like you just don't know how to structure yourself and it just winds up that I'm not good at academic writing like I'm actually really great at writing books I'm really great at writing articles right and so it's just a lot of times when people are giving you this feedback of you're not good at something right like it may it might just mean that you're not good at that flavor of something and that when you put your unique twist on it like that is when it actually really like becomes magical right so I think um you know it's kind of a winding journey i'd say and it wasn't necessarily a flip of the switch i think it was a lot of repeatedly pushing myself of i really want to do these other things that i'm not good at yet and remembering to keep saying the word yet right yeah. i think that's the most important part of the growth mindset is i'm not good at this thing yet and i don't mind investing the effort to try right and i think Um, being excited to fail, but kind of learn while you're doing so is one of like the most crucial things in terms of being able to open all of these doors in front of you that you didn't know were even there before, right? Like when you're really on a fixed mindset, you're always thinking about how do I maintain the stuff that I currently have? Whereas when you move more towards this growth mindset, now you start to see all these other opportunities that you can start like opening the doors on and, you know, heading down. So realize that was a lot of information all in one shot. Um, but just that's, that's just the the background that I came from. So, yeah.
0: No, I, I, that's perfect. Uh, that's absolutely perfect. There's so many different territories, you know, to kind of probe into on that again, in the interest of, of helping, I think a lot of people have different versions and, and variations of the fixed mindset. And I think as you, as you um, continue in your career, in, in some respects, it becomes even harder to break out. Right. So, I wonder, I love the fact that you call out a couple of those classic books by Dale Carnegie. I'm I'm all for it, right? I've read both and I, I I couldn't agree more. There's so much truth and and wisdom and value in there, but it's tough to get from a book and then into application. So did you have mentors? Did you have like, you know, uh friends that were a little bit wired a little bit differently that kind of helped you along a little bit later? Like, like talk to us about the process tactically, as you were starting to move out of it and chip away and start to, you know, get into the the, the growth mindset, because it's an ongoing thing, it never ends, obviously, but we'd love to hear a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, first off, just want to note that, you know, none of my, you know, shift towards a growth mindset would have been possible without my family. I think, nice. you know, I'm super close with my family. And, you know, I realized that, you know, I look Asian as everyone thinks like, you know, st- standard Asian American stereotype is, you know, tiger parents who really want their kids to do really great in grades, wants them to be doctors, lawyers, whatever. My parents were nothing like that. Right. And so they very much wanted me to be happy. And they saw that I was struggling in terms of, you know, you're crushing these like school things, but you don't seem to be enjoying yourself. Right. And so, you know, they were very supportive when I was voicing, you know, I am interested in learning more about business. Dad, can I shadow you as a real estate agent? Right. Like, nice. um, you know, mom, I'm not necessarily sure that I want to continue being a scientist, right? Like, can't, is it okay if I like try out these other fields? And so they were always really, um, you know, very supportive um, and always helping me to refine my thinking. Like, I would say, these are the things that I'm interested in considering. And they'd say, um, you know, really excited to hear that you're excited about those things. Consider finding these other resources, consider, you know, mm-hmm. these potential risks in front of you because, you know, we've lived 30 years longer than you have, we have experience. Um, so that was really, really helpful. Um, and so just having someone to support you, that support network is really important, right? So I think the thing is, you know, most people you know, already have support networks, even if they don't yet have a growth mindset, you know, even if they have yeah. a fixed mindset, you, you still typically have a, an emotional support network and that emotional support network typically wants nothing but the best for you. And so definitely yeah. like lean into that network of people that you, know, you trust and people that you care about And if you don't have that yet, like, you know, now is a fantastic time to go find someone who will be able to, you know, help back you, right? Um, And so kind of that would be one of the most important parts. I think another part that's just really important is not being afraid to talk to yourself, right? I think one of the things that people struggle with a lot is sitting in a room, by themselves without distractions and just facing their own internal challenges head on, like that can be really scary. And so, you know, a lot of times, and I'm not saying that, you know, this is good or bad, right. But like a lot of us, when we have some spare time, we pick up our phones, right? Like we're scrolling through Reddit, Twitter, whatever, right. Or like, we're like on the computer, we're surfing the web. Very few of us actually like take the time to say, I'm going to take this 30 minute block. I'm going to sit in a room with like a notepad. And like, I'm going to go work out these really scary things of, Maybe this is not the career for me. Maybe I want to try something totally different. What if the, the quote unquote success that I'm feeling right now is just me uh, brainwashing myself or deluding myself into thinking that this is enough and I don't want to risk anymore, right? And, and instead of trying to look for what is bigger ahead, right? And so you need to take that time to reflect um, so that you can understand, you know, am I headed in the direction that I want to go, right? And if I am headed in the direction I want to go, what are the things that I'm doing well? If I'm not headed in the direction I want to go, where are the places where I can potentially improve? And what are the resources and the people I can draw on to help me improve on that? What are some next steps that I want to take, right? And so kind of, when you get into this, you know, rhythm of reflecting on where you're headed in life, whether that's once a month, once a week, whatever cadence works best for you, having that opportunity to talk with yourself is really, really important. Because I think, you know, a lot of the time, I think people don't necessarily realize who they are, um, for many, many years, until they've actually taken the time to go reflect and meditate on, you know, their desires, their wants, their strengths, right? And so I think that's something that is really important to go take the time for, um, if you want to be able to try out, you know, all these different things that you know you've been looking to do, because if you don't give yourself that, you know, active self-feedback, no one's going to give that to you, right? Kind of um, the people that will best understand where we're coming from is ourselves, right? Like we we feel every emotion that, you know, we ourselves feel, right? Like we know the situations that we're coming from. We understand our own logic. And the thing is, no matter how amazing, you know, an external mentor might be or like friends might be, et cetera, they're not going to be in that same position that you are, right? Like they're not going to necessarily know what was it that you were feeling at that moment when you decided to turn down this opportunity or to accept this opportunity, right? Like what was your thinking? What was your rationale? What were your emotions? Um, what is it that you want to be doing longer term? not everyone will know all that stuff. And so it's really on you to, you know, start getting comfortable with yourself because, you know, the one person that we're going to live with the longest is ourselves. Right. And so it's just really important to get comfortable with that and to not try to fill up any sort of downtime with, you know, distractions to actually go fill that with, um, you know, some, some self-conversation. I think one of the things that, you know, society, uh, kind of looks down on, which I always thought was really weird is, you know, when people talk to themselves out loud, people think like, oh, like that person's crazy. And it's like, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> like sometimes I think those are the most sane people because, you know, by actually hearing yourself talk and by hearing yourself think through things that really helps to crystallize, oh, this is the direction that I want to go. Right. I think many times, um, you know, you see all these different pieces um, that don't really like connect together until you actually talk it out and then you kind of see all of that fit together. Right. So as, as an example of this, One of the things that I had was a very, let's say, non-traditional set of college internships Mm -hmm. um, as a biologist, right? And so what happened was in my freshman year, um, I had this internship as basically a social media marketer, right, and basically what I was doing was I was helping to market kids' books um, on education, right? And like, why did I do that? I just wanted to like dip my toes into some sort of internship and be somewhat productive, right? Um, One of the things that I noticed about the internship was I wasn't just necessarily happy, you know, posting once per week on Twitter, which was the thing that they just told us interns to do, it's like post once a week on Twitter and you'll be fine. I really want to do more, right? I really wanted to go solve a problem. And so I noticed that, you know, some posts did better than others. And that, you know, for children's books and education specifically, you know, parent blogs, you know, the, you know, the colloquial lame mommy blog, right? Like mommy blogs and daddy blogs. Those are where people have a really deep following. And so I said, what if we reach out to these parent bloggers um, and let them know about our book so that they can, you know, actually take an honest review at it, give us that feedback so that we can improve what it is that we're doing and use that to promote our audience. Right. And so like I wanted to do more. Um, And so like, I was like a social marketing intern that like did kind of more ish stuff outside of my job responsibilities. And I kind of thought that that was like a one and done thing of like, okay, well, whatever I'm done. But then in my sophomore year, um, I basically, you know, interned at a nonprofit um, where basically what I was doing was I was helping to uh, teach kids for, you know, um, SAT prep, um, AP test prep, because again, 159 IQ, great grades, whatever. So like all all of the parents really loved me whenever I went to tutor (laughs) them. But that wasn't enough for me. Like, I really wanted to see the nonprofit grow. And so I moved into this kind of like hybrid, you know, individual contributor role where I was teaching people, but Mm -hmm. also as like a strategy, uh, like an internal strategist of how might we be able to launch new product lines so that we can help more people. And so I noticed that like, you know, sending tutors out one-on-one is great for that really targeted interaction, but it doesn't have the same reach. And so, you know, I started proposing like, what if we started pulling t- kids together um, all in one spot? And like, we do some of these summer classes, right? Like where we can teach them about like SAT prep, AP prep, whatever. And that unlocked a whole new line of revenue for a nonprofit and increased our reach for like, you know, more people. And like, that was again, like not something that I necessarily was thinking about doing as a biologist, right? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Junior year, I wound up at a manufacturing firm doing more strategy stuff, where basically I was trying to understand the implications of three D 3D, uh, 3D printing on uh, medical devices. Um, and there, kind of, I wasn't I wasn't happy with just my role, and so I went above and beyond, and I started noticing that one of the things that we had as this, you know. Uh, this company that I was working at, we had all of these global R&D centers that weren't talking to each other. And I thought, well, that's a waste, right? Like if you're an R&D center, you should be talking to each other to share your research and stuff. And so I worked with our executive team to basically launch our first ever um, roundtable series where like we brought all of these R&D heads together who had never met each other before in the past, didn't know they worked at the same company, just to have them sit down and talk with each other. And like, we found like that was such a great way for us to use our own internal resources, right? And so if you look at just each of one of these pieces, right, it's like, oh, like he was like a social marketing intern, then like he did Mm -hmm. stuff in nonprofits, and then he's in manufacturing, what the hell is this kid doing, right? But like, because I took the time after each internship and during each internship to ask myself, what do I actually care about? Mm -hmm. The thing that I kept caring about is I want to do more to make other people's lives better, right? And so that's what really taught me that like, it's not necessarily some particular job title or particular industry that I care about, I care about the impact. Like I care mm-hmm. about helping other people and I'm willing to do more than what my job title just says. I want to do more than just that. Cause like, I'm the type of person that has that kind of energy. Um, and so kind of, I wouldn't have realized that if I didn't take the time to go talk with myself of Clement, why are you doing these internships? And why are you doing these other things outside of your job title? Right? Like I just had the drive. And if I didn't ask myself, I didn't interview myself of what's going on here. I wouldn't have learned that I don't care about the time. I don't care about the industry. I care about the impact on people. Right. And like, because I know that part now that's made it so much easier for me to understand, you know, that I really want to help people. And I'm cool tackling a bunch of things that doesn't typically come with someone who has like a biologist background. So that's me.
0: I love that. So, you know, one of the things that came to mind as you were describing that is, is how confident you have to be. To put yourself in that position right to do the deep thinking turn off the phones you know get real deep and keep asking why right until you get to a place where you 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 can't you know ask why again right yeah so do you think that do you think that um you were able to do that in part because you have you know a, a fair amount of confidence just built inside of you or was it in part as you were building the confidence, you were able to to do that more? And do you think maybe that's what holds some people back from doing this type of deep thinking is is just maybe the lack of of comfort with it because they're not necessarily confident in getting in and scratching that itch a little bit?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think it's exactly that. It's a lot of the fear of the unknown, right? And so it's, you know you don't know what you're about to fight out about yourself, right? Like if you're telling yourself this story for many years and you haven't really questioned why you're telling yourself this story, When you go back to revisit it it can feel like your entire identity like doesn't match up and like that's really freaky right very and so the thing that i think is really important right is that like everyone in the world is good at at least something right like all of us are good at something it's just that you know we might be telling ourselves narratives that we're not good at anything but that's not true right like everyone has a unique purpose in the world and a unique set of skill sets a unique set of interests right and because of because of you being who you are, you actually have a lot more strength than you might actually understand. And so I think one of the things that was very helpful for me, and honestly, I did not come across this myself. This was due to my support network, due to my parents being there for me. They kept telling me like, look, given that you are so good at crushing your grades, and you're so good at studying, and you're so good at running through obstacles, we are confident that you're going to be able to go figure out this new path for yourself. Because even though you're going to be using your skills in a really weird way that you're not used to using before, right? Like those are still your skills, right? Like they're not skills that you've never had before, right? Like, you know, how to focus as part of your studying, right? Like, you know, how to, you know, block out time so that you can actually like dive in and do that. And so like, you know, there are so many different parts of our experiences that we can kind of bend on and kind of transform into something different. And so I think one of the things is, you know, as folks are, curious about, you know, what is the growth mindset and how to move into that, you know, don't feel like you're starting from scratch. Like the things that you learned while you still were using a fixed mindset are all still yours, right? Like those are all still assets that you have at your disposal to help you make that move. And whatever it is that you're confident in now, right? Like take that with you, right? Like use that to say, I made it this far with, you know, the way that I'm currently thinking, and the growth mindset is only going to open up, you know, all of these new frontiers of I can do even more things. I'm just not there yet, right? Like I want, you should carry that confidence of look at how much I've done in such a short period of time. I can do even more. Like, let's use that, right? Um, instead of kind of, um, you know, artificially kneecapping ourselves or artificially handicapping ourselves um, to just what the stuff that we know, right? And so I think, um, you know, totally agree that facing the unknown is really, really scary. And, you know, if you don't yet have a support network that will help you out with that, that can be a really hard gap to jump. Um, But for those of us who are lucky to, you know, have those support networks, right? Like lean into that um, and, you know, have them remind you just, you know, why you're so awesome and use that to help, um, to help open up these new frontiers of, you know, I am willing to do the really hard work, honestly, of sitting down and talking with myself of who am I and what do I want to do, right? Like they sound like such simple questions who am I? What do I like? Right? Like they sound like really easy questions. That they're really not. Um, and so just, you know, don't underestimate the work, but also don't be scared about it. Right? Like you are already, like each of us are an expert at being ourselves. We've done, being us for decades, right? Like we're all experts on ourselves. And so use that, right? Like, you know yourself the best out of any other person in the world. Use that to help unlock kind of your next sets of uh, potentials and capabilities and opportunities. And don't try away from that, right? Like you are the world's foremost expert on yourself and you should lean into that, right? And so I think, um, you know, there is a lot of fear that goes into that, but you can definitely carry other sources of confidence uh, with you as you kick off this journey into having a growth mindset.
0: Yeah, I I really, I, I couldn't agree with you more on all of that. I, I also reminds me that I give a little shout out to one of my mentors, David Bell, who we were having a conversation like this, um, in regards to, to strengths and passion, right, and the intersection and there's a, there's a Japanese term at I believe it, it's, it's it's the intersection of your pa you probably know what it is right so mm-hmm. so right so Jump I think in a geeky guy, maybe? Yes, thank you. That's exactly what it is, right? So like that intersection of what you're all about, you know, just as a human, mm-hmm. with your skill set, with the market, with the business and the customers. And if you can find that sweet spot, as, as David Bell refers to it, um, it's a very powerful thing. And he recommended a book, which I'll drop into the Substack Notes, um, Strengths Finders. And I don't know if you've heard of the book, but it's, it's a really great book that I think speaks a little bit to, to where you're headed with this, which is sometimes I think people, maybe they don't, um, they don't truly understand how strong they are in certain areas. Right. And when you start to really invest in that compounding results start to happen. And what was interesting just to kind of, flip it over to the product side. Cause I do think I would love for you to talk a little bit about product and product management. And I know that you recently published, you know the excellent edu- execution um, as a product manager in that book. And, you know, we're talking to an expert here. So the audience is gonna obviously get a lot of benefit, but I love the way that you talk about helping people, um, you know, and, and, and develop an easier, more happy and productive, you know, life and, and way of doing things. And of course, product is is very much, you know in, 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 that, in that vein, similar to that right and, and i think it'd be a nice transition to maybe talk to us a little bit about how you think about product what is product right and and what is what does a product manager do and how does your background and your interests um and everything you just told us tie to why you love building products and managing products
1: yeah fantastic question um, so, you know, actually one of the things that is most helpful in terms of thinking about what is a product manager is actually to imagine a world where there are no product managers right mm-hmm. and so this was the world as it existed, maybe 30, 40 years ago. In a world where there are no product managers there are generally three groups of people in the world, so the first group of people is what we call customers and so there are people who have pains. And sometimes they know that they have the pain and sometimes they don't know that they have the pain, but in any case. If someone could solve their pain, they are eager to pay time or money to have that pain be solved. And so those are customers, right? Then you have businesses, right? Businesses, what they want to do is they want to be able to be profitable because if they're profitable, they can return value to shareholders, they can keep people employed, and they can go serve these customers, right? So that's what businesses want. And then the third group, and this is specifically in software development, just because I, I tackled, you know, software products, not hardware products, um, you know, you have, you uh, what I call developers. And so those are gonna be uh, software engineers, software designers, um, and what they really want is they wanna build something that's really cool that they're really excited about, but also something that they're able to maintain over time. Not something that is you know really hacky that's gonna break all the time because that just looks bad on them, feels bad to always be trying to fix bugs, right? So kind of you have these three groups out in the world and the challenge is they fight all the time. So customers and businesses are always fighting because customers want businesses to give them stuff that the business doesn't offer or do it at a cheaper price. And businesses try to sell customers stuff that customers don't want or sell it to them at prices that the customers can't afford, right? So like those two groups, always, always fighting, right? Um, customers and developers also fight all the time because customers don't necessarily understand the technology. So they say, we need you to do things in this specific way. We want a blue button on this next screen and it's going to do X, Y, Z. It's like That's not how the, the technology works, right? But on the flip side, you have developers who are really excited about some new technology, chatbots, AI, blockchain, right? Like let's implement something really cool. And then they show it to customers and they say, that's not a pain that I had in the first place. I don't want this thing. Right. And so they're also fighting all the time. And then developers and businesses are also fighting all the time because businesses say, we want you to create more and more and more features and products and software so that we can sell all of that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, developers are saying, no, 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 no we need to make sure that we have consistent designs, consistent architecture. We need to refactor, we need to do more research. We need to go take all of these steps um, to make sure that we're really robust. And so they're always fighting about velocity, right? And so the thing is, these three groups are always fighting in the world. And the one thing that really satisfies all of them is what we call a software product. And so a software product is something that solves a customer's pain in a way that a business can deliver profitably while being something that engineers and designers are really excited to build, but also to maintain over the long run, right? And so if you think about it that way, the product manager is the person who coordinates um, all of these three groups and tries to understand the white space in between them, right? And so kind of that is what a product manager does fundamentally is coordinates between, you know, customers, businesses, and developers to fill in that white space and to guide that product into being able to solve all three of their pains. it's a challenging job because you're trying to simultaneously solve three group sets of pains and you can't just solve for two or just solve for one. You got to solve for all three at the same time. Right. So like that can be really difficult, but I think one of the things that I really love about it is it forces you to be creative. Right. I think one of the things that, you know, one of the things about constraints is that they actually breathe creativity, which is really counterintuitive. Right. And I think, you know, back when I was in my, you know, using more of a fixed mindset, I would say, Oh God, there are these constraints in the way. Like now I can't think and like, I don't know how to do this stuff or whatever. Right. But the thing is when I started moving over to a growth mindset and I started seeing how other people used constraints to spark creativity, like that is when I started to understand, like, I actually love constraints. Constraints are, are fantastic because that means that I have the ability to focus. Right. As an example, right. Like if I said, go write you know, 500 words on anything, right? Most people who are listeners would be like, I don't know what to write, right? But if I told you, you are going to write a 500 word short story about, you know, a vampire who's currently based in Taiwan and has, you know, an allergy to spicy peppers, right? Like you've got something to write, right? Like it sounds really dumb. Like there's all of these really weird constraints that I just threw on you, but you can write so much more now about this, you know, vampire in Taiwan who's allergic to like spicy peppers, right? And so the thing is constraints actually spark all this creativity. And I really love kind of, you know, being able to flip the problem on its head and really dig deeper into what is the need that we're trying to solve? How do we actually create value in the world and do so in a way that keeps everyone happy? Um, I think is really, really interesting and really, really exciting, right? Um, so um, in terms of you know how that really fits in with kind of the growth mindset, I think one of the things that's really challenging with product management in general is because your job is fundamentally to fill the white space, right? Like the white space is always changing. Your customers are always changing. Your business is always changing. Your development team is always changing, right? And so customers might grow, might shrink, might change industries, you know, might be pivoting, might have their own roadmaps and their own strategy. Your business might be trying to, you know, do all these different things, expand internationally, break into other product lines, et cetera. Your development team, right? Like they might be, you know, not everyone's remote, right? Like how do you deal with everyone being remote? Um, you know, you might start taking on Uh, you know, different kinds of talent, you might start, you know, working with all these other features that you've never worked with before. And so it's always a shifting landscape, right? And so um, if you don't have that growth mindset of, you know, I am totally cool with just, you know, um, accepting my reality for what it is and working with it, if you're more in that fixed mindset of, oh my God, there are all these different changes. And like, I need to go control and master every single one of them. And this is like way too much stress, right? Like, it's just not going to be a fun job. And so, you know, you do need to kind of have that uh, almost like, let's say, judo-like nature, where like, you know, when an opponent is trying to throw you, you use that momentum to throw them, right? And so it's all about kind of uh, taking advantage of kind of uh, constraints and using that to your advantage, right? I think another thing that, you know, you also have to keep in mind is, and this was honestly really hard for me, product management doesn't have any sort of like done point. Like nothing defines a product as done. Products are always evolving and growing and they're never finished, right? Like they could always be better at converting. They could always be delivering more value. They could always be easier to use, more powerful to use, right? Like there are all these dimensions along which a product could be better. And the thing is, again, like coming from a background where like I used to win a bunch of trophies and awards and I used to crush every single test, right? Like it was really hard to be like, I'm never done. I can never study enough. I can never work enough. Like I'm never done, right? Like that's (laughs) hard it's brutal um and so my parents keep asking me for the longest time like are you sure you want to be a product manager because it sounds like you never get praised for the work you do like you're never done i'm like i know but the the reason why i'm cool with you know working against you know my internal nature of really enjoying like fixed definitions of done is because the value that I unlock in the world is so much bigger, right? Like, instead of just going after this fixed definition of, oh, deliver this thing on time and in this specific boundary, right? It's more like, there's some problem out there and we just really need smart people to go think about the problem and really work all the different angles. And you might not know what you find, but go after it, right? Like, that is so much more exciting, even if it's so much more poorly defined. And so one of the things that you will have to embrace as a product manager is just, there's no definition of done. Um, you're just going to keep going. And so it's really important for you to make sure that you give yourself, um, you know, the space to fail and give yourself the space to rest, right? Like if you don't give yourself failing space, that means that you're not taking enough risk and you're not learning as fast as you could be. If you're not giving yourself space to rest, you're not being creative. You're not actually taking the time to do this sustainably and you're going to burn out, right? And so, you know, as you move into a growth mindset, right? And like, doesn't matter what job or role you're heading into, you have to be okay with things not going your way and things failing, right? Because that is what actually triggers growth. It's a lot like what we say in terms of exercising, right? Like you can't exercise without your muscles feeling sore. If you want to be able to grow those muscles, right? Like you Mm -hmm. need to break down your muscles if you want them to grow back. And so, you know, you need to be okay with having some amount of failure and like even very, very small failures, you know, getting used to those can be a really great way to like start working that up. Um, so one of the things I remember that is like a really interesting exercise is, you know, actively trying to get strangers to turn you down when you're asking them for favors, right? Yeah. So it's like, you know, I'm going to ask this person for a pen and I want them to reject me, right? And like, I'm going to go ask this person, you know, for um, for their number and I want them to reject me, right? And like, obviously it doesn't work anymore right now that we're in COVID, but you know, the, the, <laughs> the, the, the premise is the same. Like you can reach out to someone over LinkedIn saying, yeah. I just want to say hi. And like, if they don't want to say hi back, great, I succeeded, right? And so, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, learning how to say no, learning how to Uh, accept no, Um, and learning how to accept failure is really, really important. And then also just making sure you have that time to rest. Because, you know, if you're always working, 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 you're going to hit exhaustion, right? Like, so you need to be, it's okay for you to, how do I put it? To be totally honest, right? Like, a growth mindset is not something that you have for life. Like you can move in between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset whenever you want, however much you want. Right. Like, so there are many days where I fall back into a fixed mindset and sometimes we, I'll beat myself up like, Clement, like, why are you being so, um, you know, why are you being so stubborn? Right. Like, why aren't you embracing like all the change? I was like, no, 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 hold on, hold on. I don't need to be perfect. Like as long as I'm moving more towards, you know, accepting these challenges and working with what I've got right now, that is good enough, right? So like giving yourself the time to rest and recover and being okay with falling backwards sometimes, that's also really important, Um, you know, just in general for growth and specifically for product management, right? Like there are times when you're going to regress and that is completely okay. No matter what people tell you, like you you can't always optimize the metric upwards. Like there's just going to be plateaus that you hit. There's going to be mistakes that you make. You're going to fall back into bad patterns and that's okay. As long as you take the time to acknowledge them for what they are, come up with a plan for how you want to solve it and don't beat yourself up over it. Cause like you are the one resource that you're going to rely on for the rest of your life. And if you beat yourself up now, you crush yourself into dust, you've got nothing left to work with. Right. So like, it's so important for us to protect ourselves and to really give ourselves the time to recover as we are charging into these new uncomfortable depths um, in terms of moving into these like uh, undefined boundaries ahead as part of moving to that growth mindset.
0: Yeah, I think that, that's huge. And I, I think it's also really important for, I'm just going to echo one aspect of of what you just said, I love it all, but learning how to push yourself to a limit that you are going to, quote unquote, either, you know, fail, someone's going to say, no, you're not going to achieve the objective, right? So this can get into all other t- sorts of other territories, but I think that's a great thing to call out in particular, right? Is Absolutely. That, because otherwise, right, if you're another guy used to work with mentor now, you know, dear friend, Bob Reef, he used to work for Wayne Huizenga. And so Bob would constantly just pepper us and the team with all these different, you know, you know, great sayings from Wayne Huizenga, one of which was if you're not failing, you're not trying hard enough. Right. Right. And so that culture of embracing that is so cool because you never know what you can achieve until you push yourself to to territories where you're not achieving whatever it is that you're trying to achieve. So I think that's really important um, for the audience to hear because, you know, it, it, it's a, you just gave a, a fantastic description, by the way, of, of product management, obviously not the first time you've done it because it's wild when people confuse project management with product management, but I think managing the friction is, is incredibly important and, and a lot of fun and continuous improvement. So one more kind of territory of question before we wrap it up i'd love to hear your thoughts on i like to ask people you know kind of where they get their information from where they where they develop that edge where the the knowledge comes from right the continuous improvement some people say books some people say podcasts some people say twitter some people say something in between and you know, humans that they interact with and mentors and things so Curious, you know, because you obviously have a lot going on, um, and I think it's 120 publications at this point that you have created and put out in the world, which is awesome. Yeah. So, you know, how do you get your information? Where do you get your knowledge from? How do you invest in 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 yourself in these areas of, of knowledge? I'd love to hear the, your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so first off, I think one of the things that is the most important is having the ability and the desire to listen to others. Right. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, I can't necessarily cite, you know, a particular book that I'm reading or a particular, um, you know, resource that I'm using because kind of everyone that I'm interacting with is someone that I'm learning from. And it's something that, you know, I'm trying to uh, pull in as part of myself to understand like, how can I be more like this person or like help this person kind of work through their pains? How can yeah. I make the world a better place? Right. And so yeah. I think, you know, when, uh, how do I phrase it? in terms of all of the different touch points that I have, right? Like when I work with customers um, as a product manager at Blend or whenever I'm publishing things, you know, as you know, the co-founder of Product Manager HQ, one of the things that's really important for me is to make sure that I'm getting feedback from the people who are actually reading it or consuming it or using it, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that feedback loop is so important. And so the thing is, you know, when you see the way that other people react to your work, um, You know, and you make yourself a little bit vulnerable. Okay, well, tell me a little bit more about why you felt that way. Like, tell me a little bit more about, you know, why this met your expectations, exceeded your expectations, or didn't meet your expectations. I just want to know more, right? Like, they will surface to you all these wild and crazy, you know, oh, well, this was really great in like this particular domain, but I needed this for this other domain. I'm like, oh, I didn't even know that existed, right? Like, that's really valuable, right? Or it's like, you know, well, you designed this for this kind of user, but we have this kind of user. I'm like, oh, you have this kind of user. Tell me more about those users. Like I want to solve for their pain too. Right. And so it's just, you know, opening yourself up to listen to others is such a great way to be able to learn all this stuff. But so the, the one thing that you need to first have, of course, is learning how to listen. And I think, um, one of the things that people misunderstand when it's like, oh, you should be listening more is, oh, well you should, Shut up and not talk and let the other person ramble. It's like, no, 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 that's not how listening works. The 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 way in which they think about listening is something called active listening, which is, you know, when you're hearing the other person talk, you want to, you know, take the time to digest what they're saying. Like don't worry about the thing that you were gonna say, just like understand what it is that they're trying to say and then rephrase it back to them, right? Like, so I think what you meant was this. And I'll say, exactly, you heard me, or actually. I think that's what I wanted to say, but I actually don't agree with that. I want to tell you something different now. And when you do that, you build up that really deep empathy with them that really helps you unlock all of these new areas that you can then go explore and build into yourself. Right. And so I know a bunch of, honestly, things that I really shouldn't know as let's say like a 27 year old, I know a bunch of things about mortgages, HELOCs, you know, credit cards, personal loans, auto loans, as well as a bunch on like book publishing and like writing articles and doing podcasts that like I should up shouldn't know at my age. And like The reason why is because I've been throwing myself out there and just saying, I just want your feedback. Like, what are the things that I can be doing better? Like, you know, who is your audience? Who are you trying to serve? How can I help you make all of that stuff happen? Right. So just like being open to listen is really important. And then the second part is to bet on yourself every single time, right? Like you want to invest in what I call meta learning, right? Like you Mm -hmm. want to think about how can I learn faster? And I think one of the most powerful levers of meta learning is reflection, right? Like when you take the time to say, here's all the stuff that I did, that's like level one of being able to recognize here's all the stuff that I did in whatever time frame. Right. And the second level is analyzing it of okay, well, do I feel good about it? Do I feel bad about it? Right. Like understanding that piece. And then kind of that third level of reflection is okay, well, what are the things that I liked and what are the things I should do to keep those things? And what are the things that I didn't like? And what are some actions that I can take to not do those things, right? And so kind of, when you take on these like three levels of reflection, which takes time to build, right? Like it doesn't happen overnight. So please, please do not be discouraged if it's hard, right? Like just know that it's a journey. Again, like I went through five years, 10 years of transformation before I got to this point and I still have to do this for the rest of my life, right? Yeah. And so, um, you know, taking the time to reflect on how could I be learning faster? How can I be trying to understand other people's needs better and be part of their lives more and serve them better um, is really, really important. Because when you bet on yourself, when you know that you can rely on yourself this as the one resource that can do anything that you want to be able to do, right? Like that then makes you available to so many new opportunities and to be able to tackle all these different tracks. Um, and so again, like, and then how do I phrase this? Being, uh, being open to listen, right? Basically opens up this whole vista of opportunities but you can't necessarily take on those opportunities unless you learn fast enough to be able to jump into one of those opportunities, kind of head first, without necessarily having the skills yet. And it's okay if you don't have the skills yet because you're going to learn and grow as you go, right? I think um, one of the things that you know people have, one of the things that um, we see in terms of research is that you know a lot of times candidates do not want to apply for jobs where they don't meet the written qualifications, right? Yeah. And one of the challenges is you know um, you know it's it's really hard to try to like go up against that, right? When it's like this job clearly says that you need to have this much experience, you need whatever, whatever, right? And so like, I don't want to go challenge that because I don't feel like I'm up to the task. But what you have to remember is that the person who wrote the job description on the other side is also a human being. And they don't actually fully understand the things that need to go with that role, like they might not, they might be thinking in just one way of, I just need this kind of person, but you might be that unlocking talent that they actually need and you look totally different from them. Right. And I say that because, you know, as an example, you know, when I was first joining blend, um, you know, they were looking for a product manager who had five to seven years of experience. Right. And I had one and a half years and I asked them, why are you talking to me? Right. Like I don't meet your requirements at all. But here's the rub, right? Like, they specifically wanted someone for five to seven years of experience because they wanted someone who knew how to break into new markets, right? And, like, if you think about it, a product manager who's been around for a while will likely have done a bunch of existing product stuff as well as new market stuff, right? But the thing is, I just happen to have only one and a half years of breaking into new markets, right? Like, for the company that I was at before, I've never touched a mature product before. Like, I don't know how to scale a product. I only know how to create, you know, really hacky prototypes and figure out how to break into new markets. And that's what they needed. And so, I didn't meet any of the requirements and they still wanted me. And so one of the things that we have to remember is like when you see an opportunity out in the world, that opportunity was created by a human being, right? And that human being may not actually fully understand what they want. And so it's on you to really go and, you know, talk to them to understand, well, what really is your pain, right? Like, do I actually solve the thing that you're looking for? Because maybe you don't necessarily know that what you want, right? And so, um, you know, in uh, in terms of betting on yourself, right? Like back to my original point, The one side is the supply of opportunities. And so opening yourself to listen gives you that supply of opportunities that you didn't have in the past. And then the other side is the capacity, right? Like the ability to jump into these opportunities. You have to be really keen on learning about yourself and accelerating the speed at which you're learning to be able to take on any opportunity that comes by. Cause then it doesn't matter how disqualified or unqualified you are to start because you're going to become qualified by the time you get there, right? And so like when you bet on yourself and you know that I'm going to become qualified by the time I get there because I learn fast and I'm confident in my ability to learn quickly and do good things, you can do anything that you want, right? Like that is really
0: empowering. Yeah, I mean, that that's phenomenal. I, I think the the thing I'm taking away from this conversation amongst you know many other things is that I think that if someone were to listen to this podcast, right? They're going to learn how incredibly important it is to become humble, confident, right? To become someone who 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 does all of the things that you just mentioned, because it's it's compounding over time, right? Because mm-hmm. the more open you are to listen and actively engage, the more open you become to to getting better. And I love that meta learning. I'm definitely gonna steal that. I don't know if that's in your book, but I'm gonna for sure download the book and and uh, and consume it. But um, yeah, no, this is really awesome, Clement. I gotta I gotta say that. This was everything and then some that that I thought this conversation could be, and I'm really excited to uh, to now know you. And maybe somewhere down the road, post vaccine, in the real world, we'll get to see each other on the West Coast, East Coast, wherever. But um, I just want to say thank you, and and this has been a, a really really awesome episode, and and thanks for providing such value to the audience.
1: Yeah, and again, thank you so much for having me. Um, you know, really appreciate all of the really wonderful questions that you've asked. Um, love the mission. You know, really excited to see more people um, go and push against some of those boundaries because you know, I've been there before. I used to have a fixed mindset and it was not a fun place to be in, honestly. Like as safe as I felt, I didn't feel safe at all, right? And kind of, now that I'm in this like kind of scary territory where like I have, you know infinite opportunities ahead and infinite challenges ahead right? Like, but that means that I'm in control of my own destiny. Like if I want to go after something, I can bet on myself knowing that I can go after it, even if I know nothing about it right now. Right. And so really excited for your audience, you know, really appreciate you taking the time. Um, thanks so much for having me on. Really appreciate it. You bet. We'll talk soon. All right. All right. See you in person soon. Yeah, man. See,